We are, we've been on this theme of the word perfect or perfecting, amen, uh, and this is the third Sunday of which we are, are talking about such a topic. Um, early this morning, I was listening to uh, um, uh, Living, I believe it's called Living Waters, um, and, and there was a man who was out sharing the gospel on the street. You all have heard me mention him, and his name slips my mind right now. But the dear brother was talking about um, if we were 10,000 feet on an airplane and my and and you saw that my parachute was loose. Wouldn't you do something about that? If you saw me at the edge of that plane and we were all getting ready to jump from the plane like as if it were a military operation or or, uh, uh, you know, uh, if it was leisure, I wouldn't do that for leisure. But just so you know, amen, uh, I believe that we care for each other enough to the point that we would say, hey, your parachute is loose. We need to tighten it up. We need to make sure that you are secure before you get off, before you jump off of this plane. And that's the way it is with the gospel. That's what compels us to share the love of God. That's what stirs us up to say, you know what? We got to tell somebody about the goodness of God, because outside of the goodness of God, there's nothing but perdition, hell. It's 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 it's, it's brokenness. There's hopelessness. But in Christ, amen, there is there is the the understanding that we are secure and Christ, that's what he ultimately brings. He brings security, not to our, to our life here on earth, just in the temporal sense, but he brings security to our very soul, that eternal part of us. So that is to say that no matter what happens in this life, no matter what we go through, no matter what we experience, God is faithful, amen, through it all. Today, the title of this message, amen, is the, ter- is the statement, perfecting praise. I want to I want to get right into this with you because we've been talking about that word perfecting. Perfecting is an action. Amen. It is the act of going towards something. Amen. None of us have arrived. You've heard me emphasize this. We are not there yet, but we do have an example. God sent his son, Christ Jesus, the object of perfection the the man who 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 was the embodiment of everything that was just and everything that was good but even in Christ amen i remember the the statement that he said in the gospel when a certain young ruler came to him and asked him good teacher and jesus said why do you call me good no one is good but the father amen but today our lord is seated at the right hand of majesty on high the bible says Amen. But one of the things that we are doing in our faith walk, in our faith journey, is perfecting praise. We are perfecting our praise. We can't go backwards. There's nothing to go back to. And as I said, over the last three weeks, our theme for the topic of perfecting perfecting has actually been out of the book of John, chapter 16, verse 33. Make note of it, please, if you haven't. It, Jesus says in John 16:33, these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. He's not saying you might. He says you definitely will have tribulation. But be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Give us a few hearts if you hear us well online. The greatest weapon of, in, our, in the war chest of our faith 
is praise. And I want to give emphasis to this part because I want to get into a, a, a passage of scripture that I haven't hit on on Sunday. We recently went over this passage on our uh, Wednesday night Bible study, and it is found in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to verse 20. The greatest weapon in the war chest of our faith is our praise. Hallelujah. The enemy, that's why he works so hard at attacking your praise. He wants to shut it down. He doesn't want you to express any motivation to exalt God or glorify God. Or during these last couple years, one of the things that they've said to the church is, is y'all can't be doing all that praising. No, no, no. We have to praise God. That is the weapon, hallelujah, in the war chest of our faith. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 to 20 says, See then that you walk circumspectly. Circumspectly, that word means heedful of circumstances and potential consequences. That word means prudent. Circumspect, circumspectly means to look about on all sides, examining carefully all the circumstances that may affect a determination. It's, that word means to be cautious. That word means to scrutinize. I've been sharing with my sons, amen, even as school uh, comes up and even if they're walking down the street, we all should have a certain level of situational awareness. And that's what circumspectly means. Uh, the Apostle Paul is telling the church at Ephesus that I need you to be walking in such a way that you have a situational awareness of what's going on in your life, not just in front of you, but around you as well. Amen. So he says, see then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be not unwise, but be understanding what the will of the Lord is and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit speaking to yourselves. I like verse 19. It says, speak to yourself. Talk to you. Before you go talking to other people, talk to you. Speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. We should be speaking to ourselves before we do come to church again on August the 1st. We should be speaking to ourselves before we engage in a, in a conversation with others, amen, even with our loved ones. Lord, minister to me first, and as I minister unto you, the word minister simply means to serve, amen. It simply means to serve, so to stand before the presence of God and to minister before him with our psalms, our hymns, spiritual songs, singing, and making melody in your heart to the Lord. But pastor, all this stuff is going on. It's got my attention drawn all over the place. That's why you need to speak to yourself in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, because you are going to be prepared for the things that you're going to confront on that day. So many people just put on their jeans, put on their shirt, and they walk out of the house not saying anything to anyone, not even themselves. And here in verse 20, it continues saying, giving thanks always, not sometimes, but always. For all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, okay, so we're just supposed to do that on Sunday. No, we're supposed to do this every day. 
We're supposed to practice our faith. We're supposed to make it applicable. We're supposed to do this thing not only when the saints are around us, but even when just us and the Holy Spirit are there. Praise God. So the setup in verse 18 is quite interesting to me. That setup, it says, do not be drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the spirit. How do people act when they get drunk? <laughs> people act in many different ways. Made a few notes here. Um, I'm going to get a little personal if y'all don't mind on this topic, because he said, I'm going to read that again before I get into it. He says, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be Filled with the spirit. The drunk man or woman behaves in about one out of five ways. They, they do about five things. I mean, somebody who's actually under the influence of alcohol. Some people are very stoic when they're, when they're drunk. Stoic just means totally unfazed by any level of alcohol. Some people become violent or belligerent. They physically hurt others and themselves. Some people get excessively talkative. They talk a whole lot. There's, there's something there. All the secrets come out and they tell you everything that you don't need to know. <laughs> Some get into bouts of tears. The deep depression comes out in the form of tears on their face and all the pain that they feel inside is expressed through their words and countenance. Amen. There's something on the inside and it comes out in these different types of ways. So either they're stoic, either they're violent, either they're talkative, either they begin to get into these bouts of tears and others just pass out. That's number five. Amen. So let me just be transparent with you all. Amen. This is a different kind of Sunday. It's not a big group here. Amen. It's just a few of us uh, in the temple and and then most of you all are online. But just being transparent with you all, and, and sometimes, you know, preachers get into a, a habit of repeating themselves, but let me just repeat myself if I ever have on this story. But the, but the one time I decided to go to one of those kind of parties, I mean, one of those real type of parties, uh, which was before I met my wife, and before I met Jesus, I remember being under the influence of alcohol. I mean, enough because there's a tolerance level that every uh, that fo- different folks can tolerate. You see, everybody's not exactly the same. Some people will try it and it's like, oh, okay, well, whatever. Other people will try it and they will develop a strong addiction. I'm being very matter of fact with you today, amen? But I remember being with friends of mine and who, who became very violent on that night. And it was so bad that it got to a point that they began to choke each other out. The bizarre part of this was that it was a boyfriend and a girlfriend. And I I could hardly believe what I was seeing because I'd never seen them behave this way. And I said, what is happening? I remember that next morning, I had a feeling that I never want to have again. And I remember, and my mother, I'll be straight up with this. My mother may not remember this, but I remember it. And talking about conviction now in the Lord, I remember the look of disappointment in her eyes. She didn't have to say anything, but that was enough to provoke me to say, you know what, that life is not for me. So why do I share this with you? Why do I share this with you? Because the Bible, according to scripture, nothing is taboo. Nothing is off limits. You are allowed to touch on every single subject of life, and it is for our good. 
Amen. I'm not telling you this to glorify being drunk when I was drunk at that time. When a, when a person is drunk, they are filled to the point of what the Apostle Paul calls as excess. This is the kind of feeling that makes a person feel empty at the very end. In verse 18, Paul tells believers, be filled. But he says to be filled with something else. Be filled with the spirit. Be filled to the point of excess with something else. Paul, now Paul in his godly wisdom, knows that people long and need to be filled with something. You, if, wherever there's a void, wherever there's a vacuum, that thing has to be filled. If you are not filling it with anything, then after a while it will reach out and touch anything. Does that make sense? There is a contrast, though, in, in the book of 1 Timothy, chapter 5, verse 23. I'm going to give it to you. This, in that text of Scripture, Paul exhorts, he encourages his spiritual son, Timothy, because of his frequent ailments. He says, don't just drink water. He tells him, drink a little wine because of your frequent ailments. And you and I know that from medical study, cardiologists, heart doctors encourage some of their patients Drink a little wine for the health of your heart. Amen. But that does not, that's not a license to go out there and act the fool because we know limits and we understand that. So we understand that Paul was telling his son to do this for medicinal purposes. Amen. So to differentiate what we are identifying is the abuse of the substance or the abnormal use. That's what that word abuse means. It simply means abnormal use. So we all need to be filled with something. And, and the exhortation that scripture gives us is that we need to be filled. We need to be filled with the spirit of God. Otherwise, some other spirit is going to have to fill that void. Have you ever seen a drunk man walking down the sidewalk? Maybe you're walking down the, with, down the sidewalk with your family and you see him and he's more than tipsy. He's falling all over the place. The sober folks around him are usually careful because, because they don't know how he'll act. I'm going somewhere with this, so stay with me, please. Often, or, or quite often, the drunk man will be doing something. The drunk man coming down the street, as you get closer and closer to him, you will hear him talking to him himself. Amen? That's a habit. People will think he's out of his mind as he is responding to himself, too. So he's, at, he's saying something, and then he's got a response. But now, look at the command in, verse, in, in, in Ephesians, same chapter, chapter 5, verse 19 to 20. It tells us, because we have to be filled, right? And because you're filled, something's going to happen. For every cause, there is a reaction, right? Speaking to yourself in Psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. God wants to fill everyone on this stream and in this house to the point of excess. And you know what? It's, some people are going to think you're a little bit strange, you're a little bit wild. Why, why are you praising? Why are you singing? Why are you waking up talking to yourself? You could have some guests over the house and they begin to see your mouth moving and you're just singing a song unto the Lord. Hallelujah. The only thing that will take you to the point of speaking to yourself in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing, and making melody in your heart to the Lord is getting filled with the spirit, when you get filled to excess or drunk 
in the goodness of God, it'll make you say some wild things. I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it's happened to me. It'll make you say amen when you're supposed to say yes, sir. <laughs> it'll make you say thank you, Jesus, out loud in Walmart at the register when everybody else is complaining about the long line. It'll, it, you'll even whisper in the hospital bed, God, I, I love you so much. When they tell you you got three months to live. That's, a, that's sort of a strange declaration for somebody to be worshiping God when supposedly from a medical doctor, you may have just gotten received bad news. Maybe you, you'll get some boldness to say and do some things that you wouldn't do if the spirit of God wasn't in you. Can I tell you a story about Wendy's? Since I'm starting to get a little hungry, we talk about food every once in a while. <laughs> but there was a, there was a time in, that I was, uh, uh, I, at this point, I was dating my wife. And uh, it was sort of a double date. We just, you know, double date when, when you're coming up and you don't have a whole lot of money. You go to Wendy's. That's a date. So, so it was a date on, on that day. After, you know, after church and, and found some other, uh, another couple and we just went out to, to Wendy's and Junior Bacon Cheeseburger, fries, all that good stuff. So there we are. We're doing our thing and, and having a good time. And at the very end, there was something that happened with my friend who was there and some random guy. And they began to have a little back and forth. And, and, that was, and, and, and I think it was because he, my friend was trying to defend his girlfriend at the time. And, and, and as he's defending her, that something happened. And, and the guy said, I'm going to go to my car and I'm going to get my gun. Yes, that, that's the kind of look that, that, I, that I had. Philip just gave me the raise. I, what? Something stirred in my spirit. It stirred in my spirit big time, and I said, oh, no, not today, devil. It stirred so much in my spirit, it was sort of a Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego moment. I mean, if I speak up and get bold, I mean, something could happen. And then I understand also God is able to deliver us from this situation. So I got out there as he was going to his vehicle, and I looked at him across the drive, uh, just across the, uh, um, the, the driveway where the vehicles go through for their uh, drive through and pick up their food. And I said, the scripture, the Bible says, touch not my anointed and do my prophets no harm. He got in his car and left. I said, yes, Lord. <laughs> the word. I mean, what takes you to the point that you say, this, this isn't just some religious stuff. This isn't just, uh, uh, you know, just a, a, a Sunday thing. This isn't just when it's convenient, but, but even in the moments when, when, when life is happening and things are moving fast and, and, and all this is going on around you, if the, if the word is hidden in your heart, something's going to provoke it to come out and stir you up to the point that you say, whatever's in me, it has to come out. And I thank God that day that he rolled out. He left. But something stirred in my spirit that said, no matter the consequences, I'm going to say what I feel led to say at that moment. And I believe it was God. Maybe God was dealing with the backslider. Maybe God was checking somebody who was, who was uh, 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 you know, just trying to puff himself up. Only God knows. But that's what happened. But, but what is it that provokes such a person, you know, to do these things? What is it that, that stirs you up to, to worship God, not only in the good, but also in the bad? What is it that is perfecting your praise 
today. When you are filled to the point of being drunk in the spirit, it will cause you to do something that you would not otherwise do. It will begin to perfect your praise because you are declaring to heaven to before the living God that no matter the circumstances, no matter what new disease pandemic, now they're talking about one called monkeypox and, and, and all this stuff that is continuing to come and, and, and every day and bombard our life. Uh, if, if our eyes are fixed on Jesus, then you know what? Then something's going to stir up to the point that you say, I can't let go of the blessing of being a child of God. Your appetite will be changed. Appetite for the temporal things will change to, to an appetite for the permanent things of God. The enemy presents every single day. Satan presents every day temporal lusts in front of us so that we would be drawn away. But God says, I have a permanent thing. Hallelujah. Something greater in store for you. People get drunk with alcohol, high on weed, doped up on cocaine, and many other harmful addictions because they want to escape the temporary pain. The door is still cracked open to an old appetite, but God ultimately wants to change our appetite for eternal for the eternal things, which only he can fill. I know this, this is a different type of message, but you know somebody that needs this. We all know somebody who has been filling themselves with things to the point of excess that are not of any benefit for their soul. When we get filled with the spirit that comes from God, we have the perfect source to draw from, the help, the strength, the order, the direction that we long for is endless. Everything that we need is there because he, the Bible says this, that he inhabits the praise. He inhabits the praise of the people who are filled with his spirit. Why does he inhabit the praise of his people who are filled with his spirit? Because he knows that they have something in them that cries out daily, that cries out and longs for it. Amen. No matter what the internal warfare, there is a cry on the inside that says, I long for the presence of God because no matter how much I fill myself, I'm still emptied whenever I try to fill myself with these things that are temporal. This is for me. Praise comes in many forms, just like the drunkard expressed himself in many ways. When, when we are filled with praise, we also express ourselves with, with shouts and, and with songs and, and with tears and even quiet meditations. Look at David. David gives us a very powerful example of this and it's found in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 1 to verse 6. Amen. This was a moment when he was going through it. This was a, a time that he was very low. A time that he was very discouraged, but something had to happen because it was in him. Now it happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire. And had taken captive the women and those who were there. From small to great, they did not kill anyone, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city, and there it was, burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, and their daughters had been taken captive. 
Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no more power to weep. Have you ever cried so much that you had no more cry left in you? That's how far it went. Verse 5 continues, it says, And David's two wives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David, listen to verse 6, Now David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him. He was in a situation. It was a grave situation. He was profoundly distressed. He felt the weight of the world on his shoulders. He's supposed to be the leader, and here he is. And he doesn't have the answer. David was greatly distressed for the people spoke of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and his daughters. But, love the but in scripture. But David strengthened himself. Another version says David encouraged himself. He did what the Apostle Paul said to do before the Apostle Paul was even born. And he told, hallelujah, it's told here in scripture that he spoke to himself. He dealt with him. You see, a lot of times when we want to find a scapegoat, let me use the example of Hitler. When we want to find a scapegoat, we will find a scapegoat in a person or a people and identify that it is their fault when it is not their fault. You know what? There comes even a moment in our life. Last week we were talking about breaking generational curses. There comes a moment when we stop pointing the finger at even our forefathers because my dad did this or my father or my uncle did this or my mother did this or my great-great-grandmother did this. It's, it, there comes a point where we cut off all excuses. And we say, this no longer has anything to do with them. God has put in me a free will. In Spanish, we say libre albedrío. We, we, we emphasize the fact that it is me, it's me, Lord. Check me. Work in me. And David, instead of balling up and, and coming to a place in his life where he said, there's no more room for hope, I, all is lost, all, they've taken our wives, our children, they, they've taken our goods, our resources, I'm just going to crawl into a corner and die. That's not the answer either. It's not the answer for you and I to say, you know what, it's just time to give up. It's time to quit. It's time to relent. That's a lie. Because our God is relentless, meaning he keeps on and he keeps on. Jesus wasn't jumped in an alley and beat up to the point of death in a corner where nobody knew what was going on. No, there came a point in his life where then it was time for him to lay his life down. He said, no man takes my life. I lay it down on my own accord. And so as he has done, amen, even so we do, we understand that, that, that we don't just call it, we don't just say, okay, it's time to turn the lights off and everybody go and, and the show's over. No, hallelujah, we got to do something different, something different from the world's standards, and that is, hallelujah, like David, we got to encourage ourselves in the Lord our God. We come to a place where we talk to ourselves, encourage ourselves with hymns, Songs, spiritual songs, amen? 
Hallelujah. In conclusion, the act of encouraging himself in the Lord came from the excess of praise in David's heart. That's the thing. See, David wasn't just a warrior. He was a worshiper. He wasn't just a man who took care of the, of the, of the sheep. He had a relationship with his God. And there was the excess of the goodness of God on the inside, so much that the memories of all that God had performed in the past, it was a resume of heaven that said, God was faithful back then, God is faithful now, and no matter what takes place, no matter what comes, God is still faithful. As a pastor, a man of a church, especially in these days, I, I share this testimony briefly. Um, I was asked by one of our precious members recently, one of them came to me and said, Pastor, how are you doing? Are you all right? And I was thinking, I'm all right. Are you okay? Everything's good with me. But this dear sister said, you know, I've been doing some homework, some studying on, on pastors today in this very volatile season that we are living in and how many of them are taken off the mantle. God didn't take the mantle off of them. The Bible says the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. Something happened like David. The word distress comes to mind. The word discouragement comes to mind. And I think that many of our brothers, our sisters, even leaders are discouraged. They are discouraged because, because a lot of this is hard to bear for a lot of people. They, 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 they see the strife. They see the division. They, they see people cutting each other. People who were just fine three years ago. Today, they don't even talk to each other. Hallelujah. It's not a carnal war. It's not a fight against my brother or my sister. It's a spiritual war. And that's why we have to perfect this praise. Because perfecting our praise is going to put things in alignment. It's going to be like, hallelujah, when you take your car into the shop because you're starting to let go of the wheel to test it, to see if your, your, your vehicle is well aligned and, and, and everything is going straight on the highway. But, but you're noticing that when you let go of the wheel for three seconds, you're already veering off. And God is saying, bring it to the shop, bring it to the kingdom, bring it to God, bring it to the altar, lay it down in your prayer closet before the Lord so that he can perfect that which is broken, so that he can put in order that thing that is out of place. So the act of encouraging himself in the Lord came from the excess of praise in David's heart. And that, I say, praise God, is, is, is what sustains us. It's what stirs us up, that even though we go through a, a Sunday where we got to do things a little bit different, a Wednesday where we got to do things a little different, in your household, in your family, you got to make some adjustments because you just went through something. It felt like a shipwreck, like Paul spoke of in the book of Acts. You know, brothers, sisters, my, my friends, amen, that, that there's something that we, 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 we might face up ahead and it might it might cause us to shipwreck but not one life will be lost not one life will be lost because of the thing hallelujah i may be prophesying very well to somebody right now hallelujah the scripture says you shall live and not die all of these kind of words, all of these kind of encouragements, this thing that David did to stir himself up, it wasn't just a 
Then he, 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 he encouraged himself in the Lord. But after he encouraged him, himself in the Lord, he went to the adversary, to the enemy's camp, and took back what was stolen from him. And that, praise God, if you have not done it, God calls you to do it today. There are some things that are stolen that need to be brought back. And God wants to use you to encourage yourself first and then to do it. David could have tried to fix the situation without remembering God. Us men, you know, we're, we're quite macho indeed. We got this. But you go ahead and let some situations happen in life. It'll take you to the point of tears. You don't have to be just a little boy or a little girl to cry about it. Nah, a grown man could cry too. Hallelujah. There's some things in life that can break you. There comes a moment in our lives when there is no other option than to stop everything and draw from the source that lives in us. Maybe this Sunday is a moment just to stop, amen, and remember to draw from the excess of the source of heaven. Perfecting praise means that we always have an open door, whether we are facing a joyful moment, a small challenge, or the fight of our life. Whether we feel like we're walking on the clouds of heaven or if it feels like all hell has broken loose. When we are filled with praise in our heart, we always have confidence that God hears us and will cause his children to come out victorious. What are these challenges that we face but small things? They're small things. Amen. The challenge you're facing right now, I know it looks big, but it's small. Amen. Because the Bible says with God, nothing shall be impossible. And if nothing's impossible with God, that means that that thing could easily be handled. He can provide an answer in five minutes that we would have tried to work out for five years. We have a father who does love us and his grace. It provokes us. Amen. To the point of gratitude today. If there's anything I could encourage you in, I would encourage you with regards to that attitude of gratitude. You've heard me say that statement before, amen, if you're a member of this house. But his grace, all it does is provokes our gratitude. God, I thank you for your goodness. God, I thank you for your mercy. Lord, I just have this song in my heart. I'm just, nobody's here, just me and you. You're, you're, you're so good. You're so awesome. I don't want to perform. I don't want to uh, uh, put, on, put on a show for anybody. One of the temptations that, that a pastor has, amen, is the idea of having to be careful. The idea of having to be careful because we know the word. And in knowing the word, I can just say, ah, it's already, it's already there. You know, we begin to lose. I, 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 I've, I've felt this way. I, be, I have begun to lose at times that, that fear and that trembling, you know, that, that reverence that God deserves. But Lord, work in me so I can always remember that. So I can always remember that. I, I don't want to be a professional preacher. You know, a professional preacher knows how to do it. But God knows our heart. I sent out a text yesterday um, um, because I sent an audio message to Pastor Christy and Pastor Philip, and, and, and the audio message, I sounded sort of robotic. <laughs> And my wife tells me, you know, you sound so robotic when you when you are sending that audio message. And I had to I had to follow up that little audio message saying, you know what? My wife says I sound robotic, but but God knows my heart. You know, that's the beauty of it. 
The only one who knows your heart, the only one who knows the depth of who you are, is your God. Praise God. We can judge the outside. We can judge the exterior. That's what was going on when Samuel was going forward looking for the next king of Israel to anoint the next king of Israel, the, the one who would praise God and worship God from the depths of his sincerity. And he was a man who was not perfect by any measure. Amen. He wasn't there. But God saw the heart and he said, I want to work with that. I want to work with him. I want to deal with him and he wants to deal with you and he wants to deal with us and he wants to cause us to grow and sprout up and for us to not become stagnant nor ball ourselves up into a corner when the challenge presents itself. But he wants us to say, Lord, I make a decision today, hallelujah, to humble myself and say, Lord, whatever you got to do in me to keep this thing moving so that I can keep on perfecting my praise, amen, and growing in this faith and exalting you, hallelujah, in every situation, whether it's COVID or whether it's cancer or whether it's AIDS or, or whether it's monkeypox or whether it's diabetes, any of these things that are coming to my attention, if it's war, if it's famine, God, you are awesome. And there is nothing like you, hallelujah. I hear in the spirit some shouts, <laughs> praise God. We're so grateful today, amen, that you decided to connect with us. Church family, thank you for your faithfulness unto the Lord. Thank you for your commitment to God. We wanted to give you this word of encouragement, this word of exhortation. Hallelujah. Be filled with the spirit. Amen. Understand the context of the scripture. This was not a message of condemnation. Amen. This was a message of hope. This is a message, praise God, today, one of, uh, of, of uh, to, to, to uh, stir us up to walk circumspectly, to walk in a way where we speak to ourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your people. Thank you for this Sunday, Lord God, which you have given us. It is the day that you have made, Lord. Today, right now, as my brothers and sisters are in their homes and the few that are with me here in this sanctuary, today, Father, we just stretch out our hands to you and ask you, Father God, to continue to do your good work in us. It's in the studying of your word and learning who you are that we do learn to grow, mature in the vineyard, in the kingdom, hallelujah, in fellowship with our Lord and our Savior. Thank you for everything you've done. Thank you for making a way where there was no way. Thank you, my God, for putting words in our mouth to offer you praise. And even as some have said, even from this podium, Lord God, if I had a thousand tongues, I could not thank you enough. Today we offer to you our hearts filled with gratitude, filled with humility and love for you and for our neighbors, for our brothers and for our sisters. Thank you for the healing that is taking place right now. 
For those, Lord God, who are diagnosed with COVID, today, Lord, we thank you that you are touching their bodies and restoring them, purging out of their system anything that would do their, them harm to any single one of their organs. Lord, strength, health, healing. Right now, I declare it over my brothers and sisters. Father God, that their spirit man would be encouraged today as well, knowing that praise is what we do. As the song says, all we know to do is praise you. We don't bring you our complaints. We don't bring you, hallelujah, our aggravations with others or situations. We bring you our praise because you are God and you are worthy. Today, Father God, hallelujah, stir them up. Stir the people up, Lord God. Stir the body of Christ up. Let there be virtue that flows right now. Hallelujah. I just hear in my spirit that someone has been dealing with some earaches, some severe earaches. And I've, this isn't the norm. I don't usually call these things out, but I want to be sensitive right now. God is healing your ears right now in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Somebody else with the right foot, severe pain. Father, I thank you. Because as the centurion said unto you, Lord Jesus, just say the word. God, I thank you. You are healing that right foot right now. You're restoring, hallelujah, that person who's listening to this live stream. Father, I thank you for the virtue that is stirring up, hallelujah, in the womb. In the womb. There's a John the Baptist, hallelujah, coming forth in this generation. Plead the blood of Jesus, Lord God, over that child. Minister, Father God, to his spirit. Hallelujah. Give him boldness to speak the word as it ought to be spoken. What the enemy meant for evil, God is turning it around for good right now. Every household under the sound of my voice, Lord, I plead the blood of Christ over that household. Touch my brothers, touch my sisters. Father, in these days, let us hear you deal with us in the quiet and in the stillness. Work in us. I bind the lies that the enemy has been telling you. I rebuke it right now in the name of Jesus. That discouragement, that season, this season of discouragement, the door is closed. Hallelujah. Enter into life and enter into that abundant life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that through him that the world might be saved. Hallelujah. This message is for whosoever. Jesus loves you. Don't resist him. Embrace his gift. 
embrace, hallelujah, his love. Embrace this mercy. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Oh, I just feel his presence. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. You know exactly what we need. Somebody's been saying, I'm tired. I'm tired. And they've been saying, I'm tired of foolishness. You know what? There's some foolishness that's gone now. Gone. Gone. Hallelujah. God has given you some clarity. He's giving you direction. He's making the path straight. Thank you for the word, Father. We receive it. If you receive it, hallelujah, say amen. If you receive it, hallelujah, receive it now wholeheartedly. We, as we prepare to close this transmission, hallelujah, right there where you are, even in your home, I pray the Lord bless you and the Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and the Lord give you peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much, amen, for being a part of this uh, live stream today. We pray, praise God, that you have a beautiful Sunday. If you're listening to the message on recording, that God will continue to pour out his blessing and that something in this message today may have stirred you up because what we're doing as believers in Christ is we are perfecting praise.